0: This is the ARM Subject Matter Expert podcast, hosted by Justin Poulin. Tune in every month as we speak with industry experts to highlight success stories and solutions from the field that advance the healthcare supply chain. And now, Justin Poulin with this month's expert. This is Justin Poulin from Power Supply, again, live at Arm 23 in Orlando, speaking with Ruben Matthew Phillip, one of the YPAC members and product lead at Clarium Health. And I'm familiar with you because you've been on the Power Supply podcast in the past, and we were definitely talking about data. No surprise, we're going to talk about data again. Ruben, thanks for coming on to the Arm SME podcast here at the annual conference in Orlando.
1: Thank you so much, Justin. It's such a pleasure to be here, even though it is scorching hot outside. It's so nice to be in here and talking about, you know, one of my favorite topics, which is data in healthcare.
0: Well, I also grew up in the Northeast, so I know the temperature that you're used to. And you're right, it is definitely hot and humid here in Florida, but so are the topics. They are hot. This has been a very good event already. I know you and I are together on day one. We were just in a leadership summit, and it was uh, really, really interesting, especially some of the conversations around financial data and the challenges that are going to be presented to healthcare, and also a lot of conversations around how technology is going to be shaping. And that tees this up really well. How does technology enable supply chain resiliency? Resiliency obviously becoming an extremely common term these days, but how to achieve that? is not always as easy as it is to say. So why don't we start with a key concept that's going to help us drill in, because that's a very broad conversation we could, we could be having there. But there's a term that we can really use to refine
1: the conversation today, and that's dark data. What is dark data? So dark data is... What we use to define this vast amount of unstructured or untapped data that is collected and stored in healthcare systems, but for the most part remains unused or underutilized. You know, I was reading a Forrester research article last week about how they estimate that three quarters of all data within an enterprise is just unused for analytics.
0: So the first thing I think of when you say that is like an ERP system. We hear across the country, ERP implementations are going on like crazy. And there really isn't a healthcare organization that you couldn't talk to that is like, we either just did or are about to implement our enterprise resource planning system. And I can see where the power of that and the data that's going into it is so great that it's sometimes difficult for people to really then distill that data down to actionable insights or direct it in the right way. And maybe there's just a lot of unused data. Is that what we're talking about when you say dark data, or is it something a little different?
1: It is something a little different, because from an ERP perspective, ERP data is typically very well standardized, and ERP data is very well utilized, because that's what most of your supply chain analytics teams are using to report. When we talk about dark data, You know, great examples of dark data are things like your clinical clinician notes. They're typically a free text field where a clinician is typing in notes into something like a Red Hat system. And there's so much insight in there, but nobody can ever analyze it because it's not structured. It's free text. Another great example is medical scans. You know, so much data about a patient over a period of time, but there's no analytics that you can do behind it because it's an image. It's not text that you can make a longitudinal search off of. I think the largest concept is probably web data. As a grad student, one of my capstone projects was doing s- sentiment analysis of Uber drivers to tie it back to how it affected prices in certain areas. So, you know, the way people were talking about using gig economy and crowdsourced systems and how how many people were taking the rides, how people felt about, you know, working in these kind of jobs and how, when the sentiment went up, how it affected a, the number of people participating and B, prices in terms of demand and supply. Can you imagine what that could be in our healthcare space? It's just a completely untapped space right now and it's so hard to tap because it's, you know, widely unstructured text data that lives in the interwebs.
0: Yeah, I feel like the only way to mine that data is for somebody to literally look at each element of data, especially when you say like a free text field, and try to find a way to pull something valuable out of it because of, again, that lack of, of standardization. So can technology do something magical with that information and, and make it usable somehow? I mean, we hear so much about you know AI, and, and that's really transforming, I would say, all kinds of industries, not just healthcare right now. Is there something that, that can be done to use that data?
1: I mean, absolutely right. Like that's technology is not doing anything more magical than what you would do if you could sit and, you know, scroll through each one of those data points one by one. But you can't. It's such a huge data set. It would take you like multiple lifetimes to get through all that data. It's just doing that way faster for you and categorizing it and making sense of it at a speed, you know, way, way more than you can in terms of. If you're talking about, you know, what, what, what kind of problems it can solve, we're already seeing applications on the clinical side where, you know, there's companies that are scanning these, these images that we're talking about and helping physicians make decisions faster, performing diagnoses faster, highlighting areas in a scan that may be of interest to them so that instead of taking five minutes to read a scan, you know, there's a system that has already gone through it and the physician has to just look at it and say, yep, that makes sense. Check forward. So really, in terms of goals on the clinical side, you know, the ultimate goal is to, improve patient outcomes through better informed clinical decisions. But overall in our hospital space, I think it's essentially enhancing the operational efficiency and the resource allocation. You know, on the supply chain side, we're trying to enable predictive analytics to forecast patient needs. And that ties right into the procedure schedules, which ties into the supply demand and those related supply disruptions that come out of that.
0: What about standardization? You use that term several times, and I think everybody understands what that means, but when you talk about trying to standardize a free text field, what are the implications here for achieving that kind of standardization?
1: Sure. I think the way I would answer that is you don't really standardize free text fields. I mean, it is standardized by, you know, the virtue of being a free text field. It is a text field. What we're trying to do is find an insight out of it, answer a question using that text field. So I guess, you know, that comes to the implementation piece, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But the first step with any of this is defining a problem statement. What are you trying to do with this data? You know, are you trying to understand what kind of feedback clinicians are writing about patients? How do they feel? You know, are you trying to get their sentiments out of the clinical notes? Are you trying to look at what are the themes that they're covering in these notes? You know, what are they talking about? Are they talking about clinical metrics? Are they talking about moods of patients? things like that. Like if you, once you have a problem statement, then you use technology to figure out, okay, I have this free text field. Let me see if I can uncover these themes or trends when I, you know, analyze this data across the longitudinal period of time. And can I use that to forecast, you know, the next clinical note to see, okay, I read this and this was a positive encounter. I read this one. It was a negative encounter. That's the application. Does that That's make sense. That's really
0: interesting. Yeah, I'm almost thinking of like impl- potential implications for HCAP scores the way you were just describing that, especially as it relates to consumer sentiment. I can totally see how that ties. That up. is
1: essentially what I did in my capstone project, which was, you know, we we essentially crawled through Reddit boards and looked at Reddit boards of like Uber, Lyft and all these, you know, gig economy workers. And each of those three text fields, we essentially assigned a positivity or a negativity score, and we categorize them. Is it a positive encounter? Is it a positive comment? Or is it a negative comment? And models get smarter as they work through more. You know, you could use a double negative, and it would know that it's a positive. You could even recognize sarcasm. Uh, statements like, you know, I would love Uber to take all my money. This is the best app ever. And even a layperson may not be able to tell reading that out in a piece of paper that it's, you know, a negative. But a model is able to recognize that as sarcasm and bucket it as a negative.
0: It's interesting that you could categorize such nuance. I find that totally fascinating. What are some other ways to address
1: these dark data challenges and bring it into the light? Ooh, that is some really heavy stuff. And I have a bunch of bullet points here and like they're, they're steps. So are you ready for this? Yeah.
0: Run it down. Run it down.
1: All right. First step, I think I already covered, which is identify your problem statement. You know, you need to understand what your goals are and what are your key success metrics that you're trying to achieve. Number two, you've got to identify your data sources, you know, both light and dark. You've got to know where the information that you're after lives and all the sources that it could potentially live that you may not even know of yet. So scroll your entire process. And figure out where all this information captured and what all forms is it captured and how can you access those forms? Now that you've done that and not easy so far, but if you've gotten this far till step two, number three is the probably one of the hardest parts, which is data integration and aggregation. You got to find a way to pull data from these, these myriad of sources together so you can analyze them as one large data set instead of you know five different data sets among themselves. And this is where you need- Because they're relational? No, they, they don't need to be relational, but it's almost by, by saying, if I want to know how the sentiment of somebody writing something on Reddit compares to maybe the weather and compares to prices of these apps, they all live in different places. You know The sentiment, the text fields is in Reddit, the weather is in probably your AccuWeather API, and then you have your prices, which is an Uber API, or you know somebody's reporting history on what prices are or what surge was in an area. So they're all in different places. you got to bring that data set together to be able to make an insight off three different data points, essentially. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: All right, so what's the next step from there?
1: The next step, if your data involves anything clinical-related, you really want to invest in making sure that you're, you know, you're following the best security and privacy practices, because with all this data, it's hidden, and you may be happy it's hidden, because there's a lot of, you know, PHI in these these, these data sets that you don't know about. But as soon as you bring it out in the open, you need to make sure that you follow the principle of least privilege, and you don't have, you know, malicious access to these data sets because they're out in the open now. And that's, you know, we all know health systems are facing, you know, huge cybersecurity issues in the, in the recent past. So this is an especially sensitive topic of late. Yeah, that's a huge, important point. So once you've done all this together, and that's let me say the chunk of the work, even though I believe it doesn't get enough credit, like this is the heavy lifting. After this is relatively I wanna say the easy part, like the thirty percent and off the fun the work. part. The fun part, yes. This is where you'd apply the cool models, you invest in your advanced AI, machine learning, national language processing techniques to essentially gain these insights from this, you know, dark data or all this data that is now you've brought into the light. These technologies really help you identify patterns, trends, and relationships that might not be evident when you go through these things manually. The last step is you've got to make this actionable. You know, insight is pretty much useless if you don't do anything with it. And even if you do something with it, it's 10 times better if you can measure what you've done with it and how impactful it has been to you. So if, if you remember nothing else from what I said today, always make it actionable and measure your successes. Mm. Yeah,
0: I, I think if you're going to show progress too, I, if you're going to make this investment in time, you're going to need to be able to show that, right? Especially as you're trying to tout what it has done for your organization, you better be measuring it, not just putting it into practice, but measuring it so, and so that you know for your own benefit, because maybe the strategy has to be
1: adjusted as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of health systems that invest and don't get me wrong. This is a huge lift. Like using these techniques requires a huge resource investment and time investment that you need to justify at the end of the day to your, you know, your CFO. Hey, you know, you have you need to employ data scientists. You need to employ you know data engineers to aggregate all this data together. Um, if you choose to do it in house, it's it's a pretty significant investment of manpower and time and effort, and you know getting buy-in from your IT leaders across your organization to make, make such an effort happen. You have to measure it to to show them a criteria of success, and why they should keep you know partnering with you on such an initiative. Yeah,
0: it's good. It's good for your team too because they want to know that the work that they've done matters. Yeah, I just think resources are at such a premium right now,
1: too. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's maybe a few health systems out there that have the resources to do this in-house and the scale to do this in-house. But I think for majority, it makes a lot more sense to bring in a partner with the expertise and experience to really do this at scale. You know, a technology provider. And there's, there's a few out there that will take on all this heavy lifting for you and give you these measurable, actionable insights for you to implement and gain so much value from.
0: So yeah, one of the things I can see is there may be some project that that an organization wants to accomplish, but to bring in resources that they don't have and then set that up and then not really plan on committing long-term funding Necessarily, to a perpetual strategy, but maybe more of a situational strategy to target a specific initiative, you know, I can see both, but I can see where not committing you know long term human resources, etc, when it 's not a long term strategy is an important consideration about how you answer
1: how you want to approach that. Let me answer that this way I think we're too early in this space as an industry that Unless we have enough of these problem statements that we want to chase after and solve, that we can deploy these resources to go after, then it makes sense, absolute sense to have you know, full-time resources in your teams that can chase these problems for you and keep tweaking these models that are very specific for your organization. But given where we are today, I think there's you know a great need for a proof of concept in the industry as a whole. And even the players, the technology players out there today are trying to prove that concept. And there's a lot less risk in leveraging their work and their resources than it is for you as a health system to invest in your own resources.
0: Yeah, it's almost like industry can drive that innovation because it's such a big project. That you don't necessarily want to encumber your internal teams to try to accomplish something that doesn't even necessarily have a blueprint yet. I can totally see the benefit. So let's, let's tie that down into something really detailed.
1: Before you do that, you know what the other thing is? It's way more efficient to have, to be able to do this as an industry and do it collectively than to do it individually. And I'll tell you why we're working off a lot of the same data sources. We're working off, you know, especially in supply chain, you know, what kind of data do you want? You want your distributor data, you want your EDI data, you want some FDA data, you want your ERP data, your EHR data, and these organizations that have done it or are doing it today, they've already integrated with all these different partners and players and systems. Now imagine if every provider tried to do this themselves, they're essentially replicating the same effort and getting access to a very small slice of that data. Instead, if you leverage that you know, collective intelligence, you're now working off a way larger data set. You're now leveraging, you know, a larger network of data of supply disruptions across the entire healthcare network instead of just at my provider system. You know, substitute availability across all distributors and suppliers instead of just the one that supplies to me and feeds me data. It's way more efficient and way more cost effective.
0: Yeah, it's like any, mar- you're essentially creating marketing insights from data, right, in a way. And you can't get market insights that have relevancy in small data sets. And even studies, when you're trying to show the efficacy of a new drug or a new product, a small sample size does not necessarily lead us down the right path as large data sets. I totally, you really made that point extremely well, at least for me. Last question, I want to really tie this all together into something actionable, real world. What is an example of an actionable insight that could only be gained
1: through a technology like this? I think I'll tie it back to one of the biggest topics that we're talking about. I was just in a session talking about back and disruption, so I'll give you a weird example. So a lot of the work that you know, we've done over the last couple of years that we've been working is trying to use this technology to enable proactive backorder detection, we've been able to build technology that keeps tabs on this vast data set. You know things like demand across the entire network, supply across the network, lead times across the network, and essentially be able to predict disruptions before they occur. In the initial results that we saw, we found that this model was able to predict disruptions in the next six to eight week period with close to ninety percent accuracy. Think about what that means for a supply chain. And a great actual, you know, example of this is likely the tourniquet cuff shortage if, you know, you remember that that happened last year. So we saw signals in early July 2022 and we notified our customers that hey, we're seeing signals of a shortage in this product category. And this was something that was actually only disclosed months later by the companies involved. We were able to Essentially direct the customer to a potential substitute, again, using that technology to say, "Hey, what's available in the same product category that is you know currently filling and currently available to order?" so they could maintain continuity of operations and they knew about this, so they got ahead of it, rather than you know a lot of others who essentially, because we're operating in the blind, had to deal with the shortage when it occurred and you know disrupt their operations essentially. Yeah,
0: I think that predictive analytics just helps everybody be more agile. The more we get caught after the fact and we're kind of on our heels coming up with the strategy, the harder it is, especially when all of a sudden the supply is out. It's one thing to start preparing for that and be ready for it and maybe even ration a little bit than it is to just find out, Oh, here we are. So I can see a lot of power in that. And, you know, obviously there's so much more to that story, but we've got to wrap up Ruben, Matthew Phillip, one of the Y members and product lead at Clarium health joining us here live at arm 23 in Orlando. Ruben, thanks so much for coming on. Anything you want to add before we wrap?
1: Yeah. I think in closing Todd, you know, If three-quarters of your data is in the dark, then that means that you're in the dark about three-quarters of your data. You're doing amazing things today with the one-quarter of data that you're accessing and using. Imagine what you could do if you could leverage all of it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the ARM Subject Matter Expert podcast. For additional resources, visit our website at arm.org. That's AHRMM.org. Tune in next month for another
1: edition of the ARM Subject Matter Expert Podcast.